0: You're listening to Real Talk for Real Men, episode number 40.
1: Welcome to the
2: Real Talk for Real Men podcast. Lifestyle advice for men so powerful, you'll want to run your life on it. And now your hosts, Guy Mullen and Chris Field.
0: Okay, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Real Talk for Real Men. I'm Guy Mullen. And I'm Chris Field. Good to be back with you guys. It's good to be back. And we've got uh, our friend back with us, Kevin Carr. Welcome back to the show, Kevin.
2: Thank you very much, fellas. A blessing to be back.
0: So um, if you missed our previous episode with Kevin, you go back and, and listen to it, check out uh, our, our webpage, you'll be able to be able to find it, and you'll be able to hear exactly who Kevin is and a bit of insight into his life and where he's come from, because it's an important
1: segue, I think, into what we're talking about today, Chris. Yeah, Kevin really just gave us a great uh, testimony when we had him on the program before about being transformed. But in the process of that, uh, the very Bible college he went to some nearly 20 or 40 years ago uh, as a young Christian student, he's now the jolly principal of the place. Uh,
2: the circle turns.
1: So the things that God can do. So Amen. To have you back with us, yeah. And
2: I can tell you that um, the lecturers and a number of the pastors uh, who were around at the time that I turned up at that Bible college, the last person that they thought <laughs> would end up as the principal was it's this. Probably a
0: natural thing for them to think. Oh, well, you know, I wonder who, how they all going to turn out? What yeah. they're going to become? Who's the most likely to do this? Who's most likely to do that? Yeah. And you weren't picked for the most likely to be principal.
2: I certainly wasn't, because um, even though uh, I had changed dramatically, and as I shared in that uh, last episode, that um, my mum and dad both trusted the Lord Jesus as their saviour after seeing the radical transformation that God had done in my life. Um, But I still still had a long way to go. And when I turned up at the Bible college, I had quite a mop of hair still. Uh, When I'd been the hippie druggie, my hair was down to my belt, Mm-hmm. um so it was for me it was wow. really short now Do
0: you have any photos? I, love
2: I have got photos yeah. yes oh by the way that's another another <laughs> another cap uh, i was i'd also become a uh black belt in taekwondo and i had my own club and was training so you
1: really people were bible bashing.
2: i really well no i was bashing the bible not bible bashing but anyway so um um but god actually this is a bit of a sidetrack we've got to get to where we're going to but um I was going to open up a club and uh, train people in Taekwondo as the, the way to get me, pay my way through Bible college. Mm-hmm. That was going to be my my job, as it were. And I could see that that would work very well and, uh, and make a, a good um, amount from it, enough to put me through and still have plenty of time for study. And um, I had plans for that but just before college started there was what's called a grading where people from clubs all over the state come together and uh, they're all tested like and a competition it's like a competition but it's but it's more to do with whether or not you're able to pass up to the next color of belt and something at that, at that particular gathering uh, happened that I'd never seen happen before but one of the black belts got up and preached mm-hmm. and i had been, now I'm a Christian, I've been in church and I'd heard, and I knew what preaching was. This had never happened before, but he got up and he basically preached the gospel of Taekwondo to everyone who was there. He basically said, becoming a black belt is just the start, and if you get to that, then you're just getting started and you have to give your life to Taekwondo. You have to breathe, eat, drink sleep, breathe Taekwondo. It has to be your all-consuming thing. It has to be number one in your life. And I'm sitting there going, okay, Lord, there goes Taekwondo. Wow.
1: Now, in the early years of your very first involvement around Christians, with no Christian background whatsoever,
2: you've got a little bit of a, an
1: itch. A kind I of did, yeah. So, sorry, I,
2: but someone someone needed to hear that sidetrack. But anyway... Sad. But it's
1: taken you 40 years.
2: Uh, yeah, i got a bit of an itch, I suppose you could say, and it's taken me nearly 40 years. But In that first six months, we had a couple of guest speakers at the little church uh, where I was saved and attending. Uh, One of them was a fellow by the name of Clem Clack, and some listening may have heard or even know him. And the other fellow was uh, a gentleman by the name of Clifford Wilson, who you know very well. He was your... Academic uh, supervisor. Your academic supervisor. So see how the Lord brings everything together. And uh, so... Uh, both of them gave presentations on life in Israel in biblical times, What, uh, how it was so much different to life here in Australia or in most other countries in the world, and um, that a person needed to understand things about life in biblical times if they're going to be able to accurately read their Bible. And then when I arrived at Bible College in my first year, we had a subject called Manners and Customs of Bible Times, which was exactly what these men had been talking about. And in that first year of Bible College, I fell in love with that particular subject, and it has been a great passion for me uh, ever since.
1: Let me play devil's advocate for those people listening who would say... Why would you even care about that? Surely a whole lot of people would... That would be the first thing they'd ignore. And so how are you going to sell it to them?
2: Okay. Well, uh, we in our last episode, we gave a little promo saying that this is a book that every Christian needs. And um, that's a pretty big call. And I was going to say the reason is, and now I'll answer that, uh, finish that sentence. The reason is that every Christian should be reading their Bible. True? Yeah. Okay. The thing is that as we read the Bible, as we read any book, uh, we are painting a picture of the scene that we're reading about, unless the book that we're reading has pictures. And, uh, you know, for children, um, they do have the Bible in pictures for little eyes and those sorts of things. Trouble is, some of the artists didn't do their research, Mm. and and I'm... Part of my my goal in life is to undo all the nonsense that certain artists have have, um, conveyed to people. But anyway, um, when we read any book, even though we may know that the setting was hundreds of years ago and they didn't have electricity or cars or mobile phones, there are certain little things in the stories that we read our understanding into the story. And we do it subconsciously because we don't know that we don't know. And uh, one of the classic uh, examples that I give is, for example, uh, the story where Simon the Pharisee in Luke chapter 7 invites Jesus to come to his house for a meal. And the Bible just states, just as a matter of course, it says, so Jesus went into his house and sat down to eat. And as they were eating, a woman came in and began to wash his feet with her hair, etc. Now, uh, as you read that first sentence, Jesus went into the house and sat down to eat, immediately You don't realize that you have set a scene there that may not be accurate or may be far from accurate. Mm. Our house, when I, in fact, when I first read the proverb about it's better to dwell in the corner of a rooftop than in a broad house with a brawling wife i pictured myself on my pitched roof australian house sitting with my feet and we actually have, a picture, we act- we actually have <laughs> a picture in the book of kevin sitting <laughs> on his roof yeah i think it's in the <laughs> opening opening pages okay and uh, so a- as a young christian um i i read there i am uh, guys looking at the picture in the book right now I'm a
0: bit younger than
2: days. oh uh, well, well i was at least 10 years younger i reckon <laughs> so um Here, I imagine myself on my Australian pitched-roof house. And then it it says they went in, they sat down to eat. And so I pictured myself sitting at a table with four legs and sitting around it on chairs and eating, well, maybe they were eating Middle Eastern sort of food, but uh, probably with knives and forks, I I don't know. And I didn't know. And the thing was, I didn't know that I didn't know. And so then when it comes to this... uh, thing with the woman washing the lord jesus feet did she crawl under the table did she tap him on the shoulder and get him to turn around so that he and there have been artists who've painted pictures of the woman must have tapped him on the shoulder jesus has t- and they have painted a table and chairs uh and jesus sitting on a chair with his chair turned around and Away from the table, so she obviously had to interrupt him if you think the picture through, and there she is washing his feet. Now, the accurate image is a, a rich person's house because uh, Simon the Pharisee was a wealthy man, uh, and they are laying or reclining on low cushions or low type beds with a table in the middle. And each of them propped up on an elbow with their legs all sticking outwards, out to the the side like spokes around a wheel. And so she would have been able to. And by the way, when they went into the house, they would have taken their sandals off and a servant probably would have washed their feet even before they, they went in. Um, although the Lord Jesus said to Simon the Pharisee, "When I came in, you didn't give me a kiss you didn't anoint my head with oil and so forth, but this woman hasn't stopped kissing my feet and and washing them uh, with um, uh, anointing them and washing them with her tears, so uh, the fact that he was reclining then gives you an a- accurate understanding, and you don't sort of think what on earth's going on here now I say that story then to lead us into one that is, becomes very crucial, and that is the Last Supper. And all of you who are listening have probably seen paintings by Leonardo da Vinci or similar artists with the Lord Jesus and the disciples sitting around a table. And I always ask the question, why are they all sitting on one side of the table <laughs> and cramped all around one side? Well, for a start, they weren't sitting around a table like that. And the, the, the tragic thing is that because people... Uh, have done paintings like that because they didn't understand the cultures and the customs of the day people have even come up with wicked teachings such as that Jesus was a homosexual because it says John was the disciple who he loved and John lay on his breast at at the the dining at the dining table. And these paintings by these artists, you see Jesus sitting there and John with his head awkwardly propped across, stuck on Jesus' chest Mm. because they took it literally. Whereas that term was a figure of speech of the day. And because people reclined, they didn't sit. You're propped up there, laying on a cushion uh, on one elbow. The person in front of you is likewise reclining and for him to talk to you he leans back and his head leans back to your chest and so we've heard the saying of being a right-hand man okay well to be the person who lay in someone's bosom meant you were their the person on their right the closest person to them the person as it were with the best position at a feast And so if people understood the culture and the customs of how they ate, no one would think anything wicked or terrible about what happened at the Last Supper.
1: Now, we've dived into this fantastic detail and left our poor listeners without a prime piece of information. That you, 40 years, have delved into all of this stuff, and you've only just put it all together in a book.
2: Yes, yes, indeed. It is true.
1: And so the the book is called Essential Bible
0: Insights, A Study of Manners and Customs of Bible Times, Discovering What It Was Like to Live in the Land of Israel During the Times of the Old and New Testaments by Kevin Carroll. It's a a 350-page book. Yep. uh, Hardcover. It's a beautiful book. And we're going to be putting links on the show notes as to where you can where you can get it. But do stay tuned because we've got a special offer for you at the end of the end of the show. But um, this is not just an academic exercise. Absolutely, it's, no. it, you've already given given us a couple of examples. But yeah. but one which really struck me, and one of which I think might be really relevant to some of our listeners, yes, is the way the position of the mother and the the mother or the wife, yes, how that was that was actually in the early Bible times. And I, I want to just. Uh, look at a, a bit here from from your book on, on page uh, page 53 and you know because typically uh, chris you probably find this too when you're dealing with men and, and their marriages you often have a, have a man who who takes his position of head of the home and but then he he has a distorted view of what that position of authority is like and yeah. then he rules his family but with an iron fist if you like yeah. and he and he was he the woman s- stays in the home and doesn't do anything outside of the home, pretty much, and and is subservient to them And and the children have to, um, they 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 are not allowed to uh, express their individuality, if you like. They they're not allowed to go out and 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 um, uh, become have, the person that have, God intended them
2: have, to, intended them to that, be. That's right. They and don't have any any sort of. It's easy for
0: us to get this distorted view hmm. of what. Of what uh, of what life was like and, and use the Bible in the, the times of maybe Abraham and, and those sort of guys to to justify our actions but you say interesting thing in here you say in here that uh, we must be aware that the treatment of the wife and woman in general in the nation of Israel was not something that was typically Middle Eastern now that's typically what we tend to think we think well, okay well, Israel and Abraham mm. And, mm. and so on in the Middle Eastern and we look at the the practices perhaps today yep and it colours the, the way that we would think about the way that we should work, maybe run our families. If and, we think, well, we want to be running our families biblically. Yes. Consider the power and influence of Sarah and Abraham. Now, Sarah had a tremendous amount of power uh, in, in their in, in with, with, with Abraham. Yep. And Abigail uh, also with, with David. Yep. And um, so I just want to read just a little bit more here as well. that says, The biblical model was and is still intended to be vastly different to that of the pagan and unbiblical spouse. The relationship between the husband and the wife, as epitomized in Proverbs 31, reveals a husband who trusts and honors his wife and is comfortable with and supportive of her buying and selling property, running a business, controlling the activities of the servants and more. And so this is really interesting, isn't Mm -hmm. it? Mm, And and so it's it's really practical because it really should influence the way that we look at our children and the way that we we look at our wives and the way that we, we run our families.
2: Absolutely. And my absolute purpose and goal is to help people to be able to follow the Bible for what it says. And the reason I make such a brash statement as we all need to read this book is because it's not my book or... Uh, anything like that that we need to read we need to know the information that's in there you can find in good bible encyclopedias and so forth i've you know i've drawn this information from archaeological finds and encyclopedias but i've i've made it into a book of of, a small enough size that a a person can read it by the way i've endeavored to write it in a very readable style. It's
0: very it is, it is very readable. It's not like a. It's, the, I, I've, a textbook. I've, it's not like an encyclopedia. It's not
2: like an encyclopedia. Reading, uh, any, anyone who can read well from you know, let's say high school age and up can can read the book. There's no compromise in academic standards, but I've avoided jargon and I've tried to make it quite conversational and, and easy for everyone to read.
0: And so and so the sort of thing that you put in there, it really sort of stands out. When it says that the children reverence their mother. Just as much as they did their father. Yes. Which is, you know, that's a wake-up call to all it, us, all us dads. It, it is. All us men. Are we ensuring that our children are? We usually ensure that they're respecting us, but do we ensure that they're respecting? Just their mother? Th- think
2: back to the Ten Commandments. Hmm. What? What is? your
1: father and, and your
2: a, mother. I'll, I'll the right there, right there, and, and immediately when that commandment was given. The pagan nations all around, and the Israelites went, wow, this is so different to what everyone else does in the Middle East. Honour your father and mother. There's an equal sign there. And in Proverbs, where, um, and I'm not going to be able to quote it accurately off the top of my head, but I'll give you the gist of it. Um, Hebrew poetry, which is something else that a person needs to understand, doesn't have rhyming, but Hebrew poetry has things like opposites and parallels. And something is beautiful poetically if you can say it one way and then repeat it again in a different way, but say the same thing. And so in Proverbs, it'll say um, the uh, blessed is the son who obeys his father and happy is the is the boy who keeps his mother's commands. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So there's a parallel.
1: Putting the mother and the father on the
2: same footing. Putting on the same footing. So you you, you, you can swap each of those words for its equal. Yeah. And there it is in Proverbs, the father and the mother mother on an equal footing. And Paul went on to say that in the New Testament, that in Christ there is neither male nor female, barbarian or Scythian and so forth. So um, spiritually we are all uh, equal and on uh, able to come equally before our Saviour. Um, there is a, a pecking order, you know, if you've got a footy team or a cricket team or a basketball team, someone has to be the captain. Mm-hmm. And God says the man's the captain. Mm-hmm. Okay, but no team captain is going to have the confidence and the support and the teamwork flowing if he is there saying, right, all you guys better respect me, I'm the captain, you all do what you... It, it doesn't last very long. It doesn't last it's, very it's been long.
0: proven through your business leadership and family and right. so on. You can... You can get some short-term results, but you can't have sustained results. You can't have
2: sustained results. So you've got the captain and the vice-captain, mm. and that's what the husband and wife, mother and father is. Captain and vice-captain work as a team within a team, and as they do it God's way with that equality and honoring and uh, correct uh, placements that God intends for us, then God God blesses Now,
1: you've mentioned
2: uh, Bible commentaries, you've mentioned a lot of
1: stuff, but you've also been to Israel half a dozen times.
2: I have a few more than that, actually. Um, I had been studying the subject for nearly 40 years, I've been teaching it for nearly 30 years, and then in the early 2000s it occurred to me that I really should go to Israel and see things firsthand. Um, And so I uh, took a trip uh, in the early 2000s, and I was just blown away. And I went, oh, dear me, I'm 20 years too late, so to speak. If only I had done this 20 years ago, because there were so many things, even though I'd seen photos, even though I'd read about it, I just didn't have the, the gist of how it, it all fitted together. I used to tell stories when I was preaching on Jesus um, and the disciples getting in the boat to go over to the other side and how it was a step of fa- faith when they got into the boat And they would uh, all they could see was water as far as the eye could see, just like when we go down to the ocean and you look out, you can't see the other side. So by faith, they got in and they they uh, they went across and got there by faith, you know, and that's good preaching, but not accurate with what I'm saying, because when I one of the biggest shocks I got was when I crested a hill and I looked down on the Sea of Galilee and I went. Oops! You can Oops. see the other side. <laughs> <laughs> you can see, it's just a big swimming pool yeah. <laughs> compared to it's. It's a it's a lake really. Mm-hmm. In like fact, Luke calls it uh, Lake uh, Gennesaret, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, so yeah, when they they can not only see the other side, you can see the hills, you can see the villages. If there was a crowd of five, ten, fifteen thousand people following Jesus up the side of a hill, there, uh, people on the other side could see that, which was part of the reason why they would sail around and race round to to try and and get to where he was. So I presume there
1: are other many other
2: surprises as well. So. Oh yeah, many other many other surprises, um, which I won't take the time to share with, but um, it is become now a real burden and a real passion for me, not only to get uh, those who are in the ministry, those who are in a teaching position to study these things, but also, if possible, to make a a trip in in one of our um, tours to Israel. Because what I do is I teach some highlights from the book on site. Now, sadly, there are many tours coming and going to Israel, um, but a lot of them are just been there, done that. Tick the box. Tick the box. it 's
0: your toe in the Jordan. Yep,
2: yeah, yeah, walk where Jesus walked. Now I'm, I've been there, done that. I'm holy. I'm, I feel more spiritual. Yeah, I feel more. And, and I tell people, it, you don't become more spiritual by, by going on this tour. Mm. You can be just as close to God wherever you are in the world and equally as spiritual as anybody who would do a pilgrimage and our tours aren't pilgrimage. But what it
0: does help you to do is be able to understand your bible when you read
2: it absolutely and that's a man who's speaking from experience because guy has yeah, been. yeah i took
0: my oldest daughter in 2014 it was a it was a, a wonderful trip and you know i'd never really wanted to go to i never really had a desire some people wanted all their life want to go to israel it's yep. not something which i would never i ever really had that desire to do uh but uh but after i took your bible study course um after i did the mountains and customs course with my daughter i did find that i got that desire to go and then and so we went, we went on that, that trip to um, to Israel. And what I really loved about it is we went to those out-of-the-way places, the places like the Valley of Elah, Yes, you know, where David fought Goliath. And then you can see the picture or you can actually see what the land was like. Yeah. I mean, sure, there's the parts of it are different now from, from way back then, a lot of times past. But the hills are still there. You can see, you can picture the Israelites being on one hill, the Philistines being on another. Hmm. And you can picture the road not being there. But you can picture David in the, there's the brook there, where he got the stones from, and 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 you can just imagine how it would have and, been and, felt. and they can put you in David's spot and, yep. and in, in the Israelite spot and think this must have been a terrifying thing for the Israelites because they're virtually surrounded by the Philistines. They were
2: in that particular location,
0: and um, and then for for David to have that faith to get up down that hill, yep. pick up those stones, and to go out and face Goliath, it would have been. It was, it was an incredible thing of faith to do. Mm. And you just don't get that perspective from from uh, really, uh, from really just reading it in the Bible um, until you've actually been there. And so that really helps me in most my own Bible study, but also in, in uh, teaching and in preaching when I've had occasion to do so as well, and many of those sorts of examples. Yes. And so your tours are actually pretty much sort of friends and family type of tours. They're very intimate. There's about 12 to...
2: Yeah, between, between fifteen and
0: twenty-five. Fifteen to twenty-five, and uh, and and typically everybody you take you, you tend to know. But what we've got, we're got, we're all friends listening <laughs> on here. So so we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna be bold here and say look look if there's any listeners who would really like to have the best possible tour of Israel that um, you can get, in, we will provide you with details you can get in contact with with kevin and he can interview you and find out whether you're <laughs> uh, whether you're legit and uh and, and get you on one of these trips it's not like a celebrity tour where you go around and do all the to all the celebrity spots yes you do do a lot of those you, you right? get you get
2: to see so the, the s- tunnel you yeah. go to um, certain, the, we certainly go to War, many, many of the famous spots but we go to a lot of places that are completely unheard of as far as you tours go to the places
0: go. that you read about in your Bible
2: that's right and we go to places that will enhance your understanding of the Bible it's a teaching tour yeah. and the whole purpose is to equip those who come on the tour to be able to better understand their Bible themselves and know their Lord and to be able to better help those whether it's your children your Sunday school class or your congregation uh, understand what God wants
1: yeah Fantastic. So really, we're talking here about the two things that go together, your book, which is 40 years of research, but you express it both in the written form and also in the tours
2: that you do. Very much so. And um, look, um, I don't get sick of going. Uh, and everyone who's been on the tour says at the drop of a hat, they would go again. And uh, because it is a, a tour. Now, I'm saying that it's A teaching tour, but it's not a cold tour. It's not a clinical tour. Uh, We have family devotions together each morning and uh, we're constantly looking at spiritual applications from the things that we're learning and drawing closer to the Lord. In fact, the first official place that we go to, so to speak, is the Emmaus Road. And we talk about how that just as the two disciples were walking along and Jesus was talking to them, they said, did not our hearts burn within us? And then later on in that same chapter, it says he opened their eyes that they might understand the scriptures. And that's what that's what the tool is all about. That's what the book is all about. You see there. are, And I'm going to use a couple of big technical terms here. We've got uh, something called exegesis and eisegesis. Exegesis is the uh, fancy word for allowing the Bible to accurately speak to you and and tell you what God is saying and what God means so that you can believe it and do it eisegesis is where we impose our will upon the word of God and read things into it that are not there and the tragic thing is many Christians don't know that they're reading stuff into the Bible they don't intend to do it but it's just that we've never been had it explained to us that the reason why uh for example the um where in um uh, Song of Solomon the uh, the young lady says that her skin is black uh, like the tents of Kedar well the tents in those days were black because they were made out of black goats hair and Kedar was from the valley of Kedron which is it was a dark valley and so she was saying how dark her skin was because her brothers had made her work out outdoors and the uh, the sky was was black like goats hair um, and and just little things like that, as we read about them, we might read about tents. And so we're thinking of a nylon tent or a canvas tent or a leather tent. And all those things are incorrect. Um, And then when you know these things, you suddenly get a whole new application of what God's been trying to say to you all this time. And the list just goes on and on and on. So you had one more question that you wanted to ask me, didn't you, bro? I
0: did. But uh, yes, I do have one more question. So We've already talked about the importance of 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 women in biblical times. Yep, and uh, so that's a pretty good lesson for us to take away. But I just also wanted to know: is there anything else in this book that is a really important lesson for for modern men, who, modern Christian men, who are listening to this?
2: No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it, it nice is. <laughs> it? Look, it is really. Um, Difficult to be able to pin down um, one other section, but that the section on the family Mm -hmm. is is very very crucial um, for family relationships and how God intends it to be. Um, But there are things to do with uh, working life, Mm -hmm. and I trust that each of you who are listening uh, has a role. In a, in a workforce whether you're a lecturer or a pastor or a, um, a mechanic or whatever you are uh, there's a whole section on uh, the uh, the different areas of um, uh, typical jobs in those days and um, if you can make a, a link and a connection with those perhaps that um, God doesn't have you in your position where you are for no reason and um so david uh we've already talked about him with his accuracy with the sling uh he he was uh, um a uh, a shepherd a peter and that they were fishermen and by the way in those days they were really humble low paid bottom of the ladder jobs today we think of peter the fisherman and David the shepherd, and sort yeah. of give it some romantic sort of glorification. Of the yeah. They they were the bottom of the heap, but I tell you what, David did the best he David did the best he could in his bottom of the heap job, and, um, and God qualified him to
1: be promoted. And
2: that, but even if he wasn't promoted, God was using him in that position. So we don't serve the Lord faithfully so that we'll get promoted if. And it is God who gives the promotions as we pass our tests and so forth. But whether David lived his whole life as a shepherd. And here's the one last thing that um, maybe I can uh, share with you, dear folk who are listening. Uh, It's from Matthew 25, where the servants are given one talent, two talents and five talents. And that, that's referring to, to mon- money, um, amount of um, financial responsibility they were given. But we can apply that to our natural gifts and abilities, whether you're good with mechanical things, so you're a mechanic, whether you're good with drawing, so you're a graphic designer, whether you're good at teaching, you're a, a lecturer in a, in a school, whatever, okay? Um, and we see ourselves as having one, two and five talents. And the guy who had one, as we know, buried it. And the Lord, when he came back, says basically the fact that you buried it showed that you shouldn't have had one in the first place because you weren't really a servant. Uh, and the picture there is of someone who wasn't truly born again. But the thing is that if that person had have been born again and had a had that one talent and had gained one more talent guess what the master would have said to him he would have said well done thou good and faithful servant enter thou into the joy of thy lord you see the fellow with the five talents who've got five more that's exactly what he said to him the guy with the two talents who got two more Exactly the same words in the Greek, they're letter for letter, word for word. He says the same thing, and I'm convinced with the same enthusiasm. We sort of get this impression that if I'm not someone famous or whatever, like a Billy Graham or whatever... Then God isn't that all that interested in me and when we when I get to heaven, you know, there'll be big accolades for these guys who've done these great things and Hudson Taylor and all these missionaries and the pastors, but little old me who's just faithfully worked my job as a fisherman each week and put my tithe in and prayed for missionaries and tried to witness to my fellow fish fishermen that God's gonna say, Yeah, come on, come through, come through No, no. If you are faithful with what God has given you, he will say to you with the now get this, and I know you're not going to be able to believe it, but you've got time to pray and ask God to help you to understand it's true. The Lord Jesus will say to you with the same enthusiasm with which He says it to the Apostle Paul, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Fantastic,
1: Kevin, thank you. And we're talking here about your book, and we really need to just tell people who can't see it. And it is actually a beautifully published, beautifully prepared book, full of most attractive photographs, many of which you've taken yourself.
2: Indeed, yes, there are over 600 images in the book. It's hard cover with a dust jacket. We've tried to make it good top quality for God's glory. It's uh, the pages inside are, are gloss pages, with uh, co- lots of colour photos um, and illustrations, and. Uh,
0: and yeah, we'll, we'll, on the show notes, we'll like we said, we'll put some links to where you can where you can purchase the book, and it's only just come out, so it's a little bit limited in terms of the distribution channels right now. Yep. But as those channels open up, we'll add those onto the website. Thank you. And uh, so you'll be able to access it. But we do have. I'm just trying to think up a special, a special way. Guy's going
1: to buy you all the book. <laughs> That's a book. That's speci- pretty special. A special deal here. So
0: yeah. I'm, going to, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Go for it, Guy. So I'm going to go out on a limb here. And if you write to me, a guy at realmen247.org, if you write to me and tell me why this book will be of value to you, then I will dip into my pocket and I will buy you for one person who writes to me. For and I'm not going to do it for everybody before <laughs> For one person who gives me the best reason as to why this book will be of value to you, then I will buy a book and I will get Kevin to um, to sign it for you and uh, and send it to wherever you are in the world. As long as you provide me with your with your details, that will it. that will help. <laughs> that will help. And so, but that's only for only for one person. But for the rest of you, Kevin, what can we do for anybody who mentions Real Men Twenty Four Seven when they place an order for you? What uh, what can we
2: do for them? Sure. At the moment, on my website, um, it's uh, I'm, I've got it advertised as thirty-five dollars plus ten dollars flat rate postage anywhere in Australia. That's Australian dollars. That's Australian that's real money. That's real money. That's Australian dollars. So uh, it would be a little bit cheaper US. Little, that's yeah, US. You're looking at about um, twenty-seven dollars, something like that. Uh, so, at the moment, I've only I'm only set up. Um, as as far as Australia goes, so I would because of this special occasion, uh, uh, would I be? Uh, i probably be going backwards, but thirty dollars posted anywhere in Australia.
1: So people, if people email you
2: directly and quote
1: the Real Men Twenty Four Seven podcast they're listening to, yes. Uh, so don't order it to the website directly because that would just give the automatic website that's nice that's order, right. So I'll, I'll
2: have you have to email me and then we'll we're going to we'll try and work out a, um, a a coupon sort of thing that will um, so allow them to be able to buy it for thirty
1: dollars, including postage. Including in postage in Australia. If you're overseas, well, yeah. Kevin, have to work something. We'll
2: we'll work out um, some wonderful way because look, um, as hopefully you would understand, folk. Um, I'm not in this, it's not a business venture, this is a gospel venture, I want to get it into as many hands as I can, Mm -hmm. uh, to be a blessing to as many people as I can, so we'll work out how we can get it to you, wherever you are in the world, at cost price. And as you said before, everybody should have a copy of the Bible and And your book. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so uh, it really will bring the Bible accurately to life for you, it will allow you to put Yourself in their sandals.
0: That's wonderful, well, fantastic. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Kevin, for coming back on the show. Chris, it's always a
1: pleasure to have you in here and podcast podcast with you. It's nice to come out to the farm, as I call it. <laughs> but, no, it's been really wonderful, and we just appreciate the opportunity. Glad that each of you that are listening are enjoying these. It's it's a ministry we do it uh, so that you can be blessed, and great to have Kevin and others that we can. Uh, Hi- highlight for you and bring to your attention. So, and this is particularly a good book for for pastors and preachers. Absolutely, right. yes. So,
0: if you're listening to this and you're thinking occasionally that you maybe your pastor or your preacher or people oh, who are yes. preaching your church are maybe getting a few things wrong, <laughs> then you might want to point them in the direction of this this book. Then, in a nice, gentle, and lovely yeah, way,
2: be, be gracious about it.
0: But uh, really, well, well, enhance the uh, the message and the, the preaching, the accuracy. Uh, within your church so absolutely. absolutely great resource to put in your library of your church as well mm-hmm. although you want everybody to have their own copy but yeah um, <laughs> that, that's ideal <laughs> all right well that's all from now so we do hope you come over to the website and, and check out the show notes remember there's going to be some great contacts and some links in there and do remember the um, special offers that we've got going they're, they're uh, once only so never to be repeated and, uh, but uh, do that at www.realmen247.org. Do see us on Facebook as well. And do remember to tell your friends about this podcast. Meanwhile, bye for now. All right. Bye-bye.
2: And goodbye from me. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast at www.realmen247.org.